You're listening to The Loop, an audio series from the University of South Florida about the mud, microbes, and mammals in the Gulf of Mexico. I'm David Levin. The breadth of the oil spill is enormous, from the deep sea to the marshes, from effects on marine mammals to plankton. That's Steve Morawski, a biological oceanographer at the University of South Florida. He's referring to the Deepwater Horizon spill, one of the worst spills in U.S. history. Morawski's leading a new team of researchers trying to figure out the long-term impact of the spill, not just on the surface, but in the deep ocean. Stay tuned. On April 20th, 2010, something went horribly wrong on board the Deepwater Horizon, a drilling rig operated by BP about 50 miles off the Louisiana coast. Just before 10 p.m., a burst of methane gas from the well rushed up and out of the drill pipe. It ignited. 126 workers were doing routine drilling on the oil platform before it was engulfed by smoke and flames. I woke up and then I heard an explosion. I just heard a loud boom. It was the first in a series of explosions that set the rig aflame, claiming 11 lives. Two days later, the rig sank, and the broken wellhead gushed oil into the Gulf for three straight months. The result? Almost 5 million barrels spilled, covering an area the size of Oklahoma. But it wasn't a spill in the classic sense. Oil didn't flow overboard or trickle up from a sunken ship. This was basically an eruption, almost like a volcano of oil coming up from the bottom of the ocean. This is an absolutely unique oil spill in the annals of oil spills. Steve Morawski studies the long-term impact of the oil spill on the environment. Some of the effects of the oil are obvious, like tar-covered beaches and wetlands or pelicans caked in brown goo. But Morawski says that's just the visible stuff. The source of the oil was at the sea floor, so the worst damage took place out of sight, that is, underwater. Some of the early evidence came from deep-sea fish. Well, in the winter of 2010-2011, uh, fishermen and others started to report fishes with large uh, skin lesions on them, basically large area of uh, rubbed raw or, in some cases, uh, open bleeding sores. Some fishermen found that the insides of those fish were also in bad shape. They had shrunken vital organs, including their livers and spleens. You know, the questions start popping up. What's going to happen over time? And what exactly was the oil doing to these fish? How long would its effects last? To get some answers, Morawski says he needs to understand how the oil impacts the entire Gulf ecosystem, because the fish are part of a bigger picture. So he and his consortium are studying the biology at every level, from the tiniest microbe to the biggest whale. And they're learning about the oil itself, how it spread from a deep water blowout, how it mixed with the water. You know, we need to understand how bacteria degrade these oil products. We need people that are trying to understand the impacts on the smallest components of the marine environment where the food chain begins. Uh, It requires a healthy dose of different disciplines to understand this. That's where a research group Morawski helped found at the University of South Florida comes in. It's called C-IMAGE, which stands for the Center for Integrated Modeling and Analysis of the Gulf Ecosystem. It's a collaboration of chemists, engineers, biologists, even computer scientists. Together, they're trying to figure out exactly what a deepwater blowout does to the marine ecosystem and what to expect in future blowouts. Since August 2012, the Sea Image team has been collecting samples in the Gulf of Mexico, kicking off what will be up to nine years of research. Right from the get-go, we envisioned a center that would try to work as much in the integration of disparate sciences as we could. If we want to put it all together, we need to work across these domains. 
Murawski has attracted scientists from across the U.S., Canada, the Netherlands, and Germany. And he says this collaboration is key to understanding the spill, since oil is way more complex than it looks. People talk about oil as if it was a single entity, but oil is really a very complex mixture of maybe 40,000 different compounds. Uh, it has many, many different elements in it, uh, you know, rare elements like uh, nickel and vanadium. Gases like methane. Solid stuff, too. Things like asphalt. And toxic chemicals like benzene and naphthalene. Which uh, we all recognize probably as uh, that smell from mothballs. So it's just a whole variety of compounds that all interact differently, you know, when they're exposed to uh, the open ocean environment and the plants and animals that are there. One big challenge for the CMH scientists will be tracking how all the different ingredients of this chemical brew move through the environment. It's especially tricky because this spill is unlike any other. Prior to the oil spill, I think everybody's thought process said, uh, well, oil floats. And so it's primarily a surface problem. And what we found is that there were and are significant quantities that are trapped on the bottom. After the Deepwater Horizon sank, oil sprayed out of the well, kind of like a giant aerosol can. It left plumes of toxic chemicals and microscopic oil particles suspended in the water. In some areas of the Gulf, those plumes hit the seafloor and were trapped in the muck. It's something scientists have never seen before. It's the story of two spills, the deep sea and the surface. David Hollander is a chemical oceanographer at USF. He leads sea image with Murawski and says those underwater plumes could have been responsible for the sick fish Murawski saw after the spill. The toxic compounds are incorporated into the deep sea and impact the deep sea much more significantly than the surface. The fish that are coming up with a higher prevalence of disease have been linked to deeper water environments, it's quite likely that it's linked to the oil that they're living in and or eating organisms that are living in those oils. The next step, Hollander says, is knowing the long-term fate of the oily sediments at the bottom and their effect on the animals nearby, which is why Hollander, a chemist, and Murawski, a biologist, joined forces to create sea image. Over the next few years, the pair will collect samples of marine life in the Gulf. And at the same time, in those same locations, they'll gather sediments from the ocean floor where many of those creatures live. What we're doing is we're evaluating what was happening during the spill and how those environments were impacted, but also now how they're recovering. The research will also help predict what might happen with similar spills in the future. You can't use the Deepwater Horizon as the template for all future deepwater spills. So we're trying to do fundamental research to get a base understanding of what happens during a deep water event. If you start to change water temperatures, change locations, change circulation, change the chemistry, change the pressure, what happens? This is a complex detective story for us. Again, Steve Morawski. I think all of us feel that um, this represents an opportunity to actually put in place uh, models, procedures, and data that will allow us to better understand what to do the next time this happens. Not, not if, but when. In other words, it's a way of keeping an eye on the remaining 4,000 oil platforms in the Gulf. For The Loop, I'm David Levin. Funding for The Loop and for Sea Image is provided by grants from BP and the Gulf of Mexico Research Initiative. The Loop is a production of the University of South Florida. Check out our next episode to learn what life is like on board a Sea Image research cruise. You can find that on our website. Go to Sea Image, that's C I M A G E, dot R C dot U S F dot E D U.